Hello, and welcome to the Sensibly Speaking Podcast. This is Chris Shelton, the critical thinker at large, coming at you for our New Year's episode for 2018, uh, and coming at you on Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, and here with video on YouTube. And uh, I'm sure eventually I'll figure out how to get uh, onto more platforms with this podcast, but for now, that's where we're at. I don't have a Spotify account yet or anything like that. Um, So, 2018. Oh my God, what a year this has been. I look back and this just seems to be one of the strangest and, uh, I don't know, odd, ambivalent, I, I feel ambivalence about this year. It had its ups, it had its downs. For me personally, this was one of the best years of my life in many, many ways. Uh, and I'll talk about some of that as we go and review some of what's occurred this year. But I know socially and just across social media, which is kind of how I am, am in touch with the rest of the world and what's going on out there. And, you know, social media is kind of like the id of our collective psyche. It's sort of the dark place for many thoughts and, and rants and, and, and reactions and things to come out of us. And we see it all over social media, whereas we didn't used to see it before social media existed. And so people, I think, are saying, well, it's, it's brought out the worst in us and it's making us all, you know, more divided and more troubled. And I used to, and I put a lot of thought into that, thinking about the effects of social media on our, on our consciousness and on our society and our interactions and relationships. And of course, it, it, it surely has changed things. But I also believe that a lot of what we see in, in tweets, on some Facebook posts, Instagram posts, etc., is, is, is simply a reflection of what we've always thought. We just never expressed it um, before, you know, because it would take work to g- go get a pamphlet or a, a, a book or a short story or get on TV or sell radio or somehow get your thoughts out there to where everybody could look at them. <laughs> and now it's just as easy as picking up our phone and, you know, and clicking on send and off it goes, you know. And so obviously this has contributed to, you know, the tumultuousness of our, of our society. But I think, uh, I, I think in the bigger picture, the, the events that are unfolding before us on the world stage these days, coming from the United States, coming out of the United Kingdom with Brexit and of course, our political landscape here in the United States shapes so much of what goes on in the rest of the world. And it's been a wild ride this year. I did a fairly lengthy podcast uh, during this year about what's going on with the Trump presidency. Almost everything I talked about in that podcast is coming to fruition in one way or another, as far as our president being in some pretty serious trouble with the law and with his party and with what's in the DC infrastructure and everything else. And, uh, and I'm, I'm uh, curious um, in a sort of grim and fascinated way at the same time about where we're going, what's going to unfold here, because a lot of what happens in our country is beyond, is out of our hands. You know, we can vote and that's about it, you know. Uh, And so anyway, I guess we're going to kind of see where things go. But this year has not been 
a really a pile of, of wonderful news for a lot of people. And so it's been, I think a lot of people are looking back at this year and kind of thinking, God, I don't really know what to say about what the hell just happened, but I hope it's, I, I really hope that whatever's coming in our future is a lot better than what we just experienced. So uh, that's where I think, uh, you know, that's those are some of my <laughs> sort of well-crafted thoughts and ideas about how do I sum up this year. It was very, very difficult to do. Um, so let's go ahead and take a look at some of the events that, that took place, and then we'll see about maybe after going through all of that, looking again at, well, how do we, how do we talk about this, and what, more importantly, where are we moving on to into the future? So let's see, 2018. Oh, so many things. In January was the 10th year anniversary of t the Tom Cruise turtleneck sweater video. And uh, I'm sure everybody who watches or listens to my channel knows what I'm talking about when I talk about the Tom Cruise crazy video, where he uh, was, there was an internal Church of Scientology video. It was never meant to be seen by the public at large. And getting it out on the internet was one of the biggest coups, I guess you could say, against Scientology and brought a tremendous amount of negative attention and publicity to Tom Cruise and the Church of Scientology and what the hell are these guys in there saying and doing because Tom Cruise is saying stuff that just doesn't make any damn sense to anybody, right? And people sort of got to their first look inside, you know, this, uh, this, this video and what, and what it was all about. So, um, and of course, that, that started a chain reaction of events, which we have talked about many times on this channel, uh, leading even to me leaving Scientology and uh, speaking out. So, you know, thank you, Tom Cruise, <laughs> for being such a weirdo. And uh, thank you to Mark Bunker and uh, those out there who got that video out online and anonymous for mirroring it and uh, popularizing it and uh, get basically giving it a nice uh, Streisand effect so that the whole world can come to find out what I and others have you know, known for quite a while, that Scientology is a, a, a destructive cult and an abusive organization that is uh, really just centered around making money and um, it doesn't really care how much pain and suffering it causes in uh, the process. So that happened. Also in January, um, I was very sad when Ursula K. Le Guin died. She was a fantasy and sci-fi author, a very famous one, um, most known for the Earthsea series. I think they tried to uh, turn that into some kind of a TV or cable production or something, but the books were something I, I, I liked very much uh, growing up when I, was a, when I was a kid, read those, and she, I was impressed to find out, Ursula K. Le Guin was someone who had a very strong moral center and was not afraid to speak out when she saw things that she didn't like or things going on that, that were not too that she didn't think were fair or, or justified. And this goes all the way back to the beginning. I mean, she's been around a long time. So like 1975, she uh, refused a Nebula Award uh, on the grounds that the uh, Science Fiction Writers Association of America that was presenting this award had, um, th that said in the award itself 
that it talks about tolerance. And then she says, so I'm supposed to get this award about tolerance when you guys are demonstrating complete intolerance towards a fellow writer of hers that I believe was Russian at the time. It's a whole story to it, and uh, you can check that out. But it was, uh, it was definitely indicated that, that she was somebody who thought about things and didn't compromise with her principles about them. And in fact, she said... Uh, even later, at another awards, uh, around another award uh, category, um, she gave off a quote and said, I think hard times are coming when we will be wanting the voices of writers who can see alternatives to how we live now and can see through our fear-stricken society and its obsessive technologies. We will need writers who can remember freedom, poets, visionaries, the realists of a larger reality. She said that in 2014. And, of course, her words could not be more true then than they are now. Um, she's just, she was an impressive woman and a real loss to uh, the science fiction and fantasy world and the world at large uh, that when she died. Now, in February, um, David Mayo died. And this, uh, this was... Man, there's a lot I could say about David Mayo. Let me say a little bit instead. Um, but let me say this. David Mayo was a, the senior technical person in all of Scientology right under L. Ron Hubbard until David, May, until David Miscavige got on the, on the, on the lines and uh, started talking to, uh, started trash talking him to Hubbard. Hubbard himself being of not, you know, stable mind or body also was easy to, uh, to turn on his, his chief lieutenant, really, uh, technically. I mean, this was the man that L. Ron Hubbard was going to turn over the administration of Scientology materials and processes and techniques, all of that. He was going to turn it over to David Mayo. David Mayo audited L. Ron Hubbard in the 70s and arguably, um, maybe even saved his life or got him over, you know, some, uh, some negative consequences and, and whatnot from a couple of stroke or two that he had had. So, uh, so David Mayo was a very, very important figure in Scientology. He, is, he, was, he was known as uh, the last post that he held was the Senior Case Supervisor International. And uh, when he left Scientology, actually when he got kicked out, uh, Hubbard wrote this very long issue called The Story of a Squirrel, uh, and uh, had some very choice words about David Mayo, uh, which were wholly undeserved, by the way. David Mayo was nothing but loyal and constant to L. Ron Hubbard in his vision. Um, but when he left, uh, he and his wife, Julie, they went to Santa Barbara. And uh, actually, I think this all went down about a year or so before I arrived in Santa Barbara in 1985 to start doing services as a young 15 naive, you know, oh, what's this all about? And David Mayo was right down the road uh, with the Advanced Ability Center that he had set up in order to uh, continue delivering, you know, real Scientology services to people without all the high prices and um, authoritarian framework. And of course, the Church of Scientology destroyed him and the Advanced Ability Center for trying to do some, such a thing. And, um, and, and if we believe John Atack, David Mayo was responsible for the exodus of thousands of Scientologists coming out of the, under the wing of the official church and going with him 
going off and becoming independent Scientologists or squirrels or free zoners or whatever you want to call them. So he was a very, very significant figure in Scientology's history, and he disappeared after the lawsuits and after they had fair-gamed him into uh, complete oblivion in the late 80s. He disappeared and uh, kind of went off and formed his own methods and therapy of, of therapy or spiritual enlightenment, and, uh, and he did that for many years, and I don't really know what happened to him after that. Uh, some people were in touch with him. I never was. Um, which is, you know, kind of a bummer. I wish I, I wish I had known he was reachable. I thought he was totally parked out there and was, was never going to talk to anybody again because uh, I think I could have uh, learned quite a bit from the man. But this year, in February, he passed on and so closes a chapter in Scientology's history um, because he was, like I said, he was a, a notable figure. Uh, also in February is when the, the Church of Scientology tried out a new PR campaign. And uh, boy, man, just like everything else these guys do, a massive football. It, it was the Curious Campaign. This was launched at the Super Bowl with a new commercial about, you know, are you curious or Scientology? You know, you want to know what Scientology is? Curious about it? And, uh, and of course, this backfired in, in spectacular ways because people said, oh, yeah, we're curious about all kinds of things with Scientology. Like, I'm curious about where's Shelly? Uh, I'm curious about what you're doing with all that money. I'm curious about when David Miscavige is going to go to jail. That's what I'm curious about. You want to tell me about that, Scientology? So that didn't go over so well. And, uh, and it's like, you know, these guys, if, if Scientology really, really, really wanted to clean up their name, they, their image, I actually think they could do it. But it would take a very long time and it would have to be very, very, in a very different way than what they're doing now. Uh, they would have to actually make changes <laughs> to their operation. And, uh, of course, they're not about to do that, so they're never going to, you know, until they are, until they're willing to make those changes, they're never going to get over their negative uh, PR. And, uh, and, and that's completely justified because they're a destructive cult. And, uh, and so they can try to spin it and shine it and polish it up and make it look glittery and glamorous and technological and sophisticated. But, you know, at the end of the day, Scientology is simply a money-making scam. Uh, and on that note, can I talk about scams? One of the key ways that Scientology gets away with the things that it does is because over the years it has spent a tremendous amount of money and invested thousands and thousands of Sea Org hours working on um, what's called PR area control. Uh, where they have, you know, their little tentacles out, and I use that term advisedly. I know there was an octopus on the cover of Time magazine in 1991 calling Scientology the cult of greed because that is what it is. That was a very accurate article. And so their tentacles get out and establish themselves uh, with law enforcement, with government officials, with people who actually matter, who actually controls the... the the, the lines of power and the purse strings of government funding and the, um, the, the forces, uh, the security forces of a town or city, that's the police, right? Even, um, I mean, I don't know if Scientology has made any inroads into the military as such, but they've certainly concentrated on um, 
getting in getting into the Clearwater Police Force, into the Los Angeles Police Department. And these groups now have basically been wholly corrupted by Scientology. And I, I'm just going to say it straight up. Corrupted. They are completely compromised by Scientology. The police forces of Clearwater and Los Angeles are wholly and completely ineffectual. And they will never, ever, ever deliver any amount of justice for victims of Scientology. If you just, I mean, it's almost like don't even bother going to them, especially in Los Angeles in the Hollywood division. Uh, and we'll cover a little bit as to why. First example of this comes up here this year uh, in February. Uh, as reported on Tony Ortega's uh, underground bunker, the Special Circumstances Committee of the Los Angeles District Attorney's Office approved the filing of charges against Scientology celebrity Danny Masterson for four cases, one, two, three, four cases of him uh, sexually assault, allegedly sexually assaulting or raping uh, women he had encountered. And I believe all of them, most of them, if not most of them, were Scientologists. Uh, and this goes all the way back to 2006 and, and maybe earlier. I mean, this is there's a there's a lot of cases involved in this, and uh, it's messy. It's it's horrible. There's been a, Scientology's been put in delays and stops and obfuscations on this from day one, and so so it was quite a thing in February when the Special Circumstances Committee said, "Okay, we here's how to charge Danny Masterson. Here's what here's our recommendations of what to do," and that went to the L.A. District Attorney, whose name is Jackie Lacey. And she, now here we sit, uh, 10 months later, and Jackie Lacey has done absolutely nothing with the, re that recommendation for charges. And Danny Masterson is still walking around free, uh, even though he is um, uh, accused of these four incidents. Uh, now, I'm not sitting here saying that he's absolutely guilty, but what I am saying is that it, the district attorney will not give these victims a fair day in court for their case to be heard and the evidence to be looked at. And that's where this actually belongs, is in the court of law. Because apparently, from all reports that we have on this from the media, this has been reported on Tony's blog, it's been on HuffPost, this has been in major media, um, Danny Masterson was actually kicked off uh, the ranch, the show, the ranch on Netflix, and his fans, who are a bunch of idiots, if you're a Danny Masterson fan, you're a moron, because this man, these accusations are strong. The evidence against him is strong, and this is not a he said, she said matter. So anyway, I have very strong feelings about this, and uh and I really want them, these, these poor women to see their, have their day in court. So the district attorney, Jackie Lacey, needs to uh, you know, step up and actually do the right thing here and get those charges filed. And so far that has not happened. Um, and we'll see in a couple other stories later on. Um, I'll give you some more information and data as to why I say and am so sure that the LAPD is as corrupt as can be in regards to the Church of Scientology. Coming forward into March of this last year, uh, I had Leah Remini on my channel on a podcast. Uh, didn't she agree to do an interview with me? And it was one of the best podcasts I think I've ever done. It was absolutely a great time, and Leah was wonderful as always. And um, and we talked about you know where things have been and where they're going into season three, which is now of course on the air. 
Also in March, and this was really, really important for me, <laughs> I took my first actual vacation ever. And uh, that was kind of important. I mean, and by that, I mean more than just a weekend off, you know, more than just a day or two. I actually took a vacation. I call it a staycation because I didn't go anywhere. But I, but I took the week off on my channel and I had a great time. And, uh, and you know, like I said, that for a lot of people, for most people, they're going to go, like, yeah, okay, wow, you had a vacation, big deal. Uh, okay, well, I was 48 years old and I had never had one. So, <laughs> you know, uh, for me, it was a big deal. Uh, okay, also in March, Scientology TV kicked off. Oh boy, now I've done whole videos talking about this, so uh, all I will say is that everything I have ever said about Scientology TV turned out to be come true. It was just nothing but uh, pure propaganda that everyone uh, looked at with sort of uh, disgust and, uh, a disgusting level of, fa you know, sort of disgusted fascination. Uh, like, what? What is this thing? You know, and, they, and you watch the shows, you see amazing production values, you see happy, smiley people, you see absolute nonsense being talked about whenever they get into actual Scientology or what the, what the church is really doing, like that whole video they put together about, you know, how they're archiving all of Hubbard's materials on steel plates and titanium, you know, discs and whatnot. Uh, pretty pretty silly stuff, but they take themselves way, way seriously, and anybody who watches Scientology TV can, picks up on that right away. You know, Scientologists are, are, are all the way in, but uh, what are they all the way in to? <laughs> you know? So Scientology TV is not doing a very good job of answering anybody's questions if they are curious about it. Um, you know, there's nobody, as we've already heard later this year from people who were in the church who came out and gave us the, you know, the, 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 the real scoop on it, the Scientology TV has had absolutely no real effect on the inflow of new people coming into Scientology. It has not blown the doors wide open. It has not made planetary clearing a reality. And it has not... Um, you know, done much of anything to provide a return on investment because they're spending a lot of money on this. So uh, anyway, that's another spectacular failure as we knew it would be. But you know, don't you always have that little fear in the back of your head when you hear about this stuff and you think, oh God, what if that works? What if, what if people get drawn into Scientology because of that? What if, what if they, you know, somehow fool all these people? Well, I think we've seen enough instances now where Scientology has presented the next big thing into their, you know, to the world, and every time it's just been a dismal failure because of the work that we're doing as critics to inform the rest of the world that, no, that's not true, it's not real, and none of what they have to say means anything. So, uh, so yeah. Also, I had a nice uh, a little... Uh, um, exclusive, I guess you could say. Um, I had this uh, letter that had been dug up that I was sent and, and uh, shared with Tony Ortega on the Underground Bunker. And then we did a uh, podcast with uh, Jeff Wassel and John P. Capitalist about a letter that L. Ron Hubbard had written to Ronald Reagan in the 1980s. And we did a whole analysis of it and breakdown. It was a lot of fun talking to those two about it from an economic or or uh, finance point of view and from the intelligence point of view and kind of looking at what he was doing with that, uh, what, it, what Hubbard intended to do, because he was proposing to Ronald Reagan that they abolish the IRS, cut, cut out income tax, and come up with a value-added tax. 
as the way to go about taxing America. And um, we talked about why that was impractical and not very, a not very good idea. Also in March, major loss to the world, uh, Stephen Hawking died. I was personally really, really shaken by that uh, because this was a man who was probably one of the smartest people to ever live. And he had done a tremendous amount as an individual, as disabled as he was, you know, with, with the disease that he had. He still had everything going on right up here and, uh, you know, in the cranium. And uh, he was a truly an asset to the world in the same way that Newton was or Einstein was. I mean, we're talking real massive levels of genius, and that's, and that's understating the, the case by, by plenty, I'm sure. I don't pretend to understand even a quarter of what the man said or put out. I just recognize greatness when I see it, and I know that he was uh, you know, tremendously influential in the science community and in advancing our knowledge of the universe and our place in it. So he definitely deserves uh, all the recognition that he gets. Now, in April, we were reminded about Scientology's legal apparatus being scary enough that it actually cows state regulatory offices even when people die. And this had to do with um, the Narconon facility in Oklahoma where three people died. And there was a state investigator who was trying to, you know, take it to Scientology and get an investigation going for real and get these facilities shut down. And the state of Oklahoma decided in their infinite wisdom that they were not up to dealing with the Church of Scientology and did not want to uh, go forward with any investigations or uh, even come close to moving forward with any kind of criminal case against Scientology. So Scientology still has free and clear to use its uh, absolutely nonsensical and actually fatal pseudoscience, its purification rundown and its drug detox programs and its uh, all the other nonsense and fal-de-rol that, that is what they call the Narconon program. You know, drug rehab methods really pretty much suck all around. There are not any good programs out there that are based on, what I mean by this is that are based on solid, reputable, totally above the boards, totally confirmed and peer-reviewed science. We don't have a whole lot of that out there when it comes to getting people off of drugs. We have a lot of people out there completely winging it. And that's why the success rates at these treatment programs where they have people ride horses or read books or sit in a sauna or get yelled and screamed at or whatever, whatever method you want to use or find God and do a 12-step program, all of these programs are kind of a dice toss as to what's going to happen with you by percentages. I mean, I think percentage-wise, these things have about as much effectiveness as, as placebo percentages. Um, perhaps there are some programs out there that uh, are better, are more efficacious than this. Scientology is at the bottom of this list because not only is it not constructive or helpful, but it's actually detrimental, and we already know without any question that Hubbard's theories and ideas about detoxing a body are complete nonsense. We literally know that the things he says about LSD, alcohol, drugs stored in fat tissue, it's all wrong. We know it's wrong. So 
<laughs> so it's, it's beyond me how any Narconon facility is ever licensed in the first place. But the reason why they can get licensed in the first place is because the entire field is rife with corruption and nonsense and pseudoscience. And that's really the state of drug rehab on planet Earth as of 2018. We need to be doing better with this. But Scientology is the worst of the worst of this crew because they have had people die at their facilities. We know that there is criminality, drug abuse, drug use at these facilities. And state regulatory agencies like the one in Oklahoma do nothing because Scientology's billions of dollars in legal funding and backing are, in, are imposing. They scare these state regulatory agencies who don't have budgets to deal with something like Scientology. Uh, and so they, they don't take it on. You know, I don't mean to, to say or imply that, these, that the people who run these agencies are evil or are, are filled with malice towards the, the public at large. They are ineffective. They are ineffectual. They are cowards. That's the problem with them, <laughs> not that they're evil. Uh, and their budgets are a joke, you know. So the idea that they're going to take on Scientology anyway is, you know, probably a bit of a pipe dream anyway. But, um, you know, when people are dying, you would think that the, the state regulatory offices, Oklahoma or otherwise, would step up and do the right thing. And this year, uh, they showed us in April that they are not about to do anything like that. And that basically gives Scientology a free pass to continue doing exactly what it has been doing and will continue to do. Bilk people out of tens of thousands of dollars for a program that is not doing anything for them physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, uh, except giving them a great big placebo and crossing their fingers that it works. That's... That's Narconon in a nutshell. And unfortunately, that's a lot of drug rehab in a nutshell. And I am more than happy to have you guys comment and tell me about programs that do work and are effective because I'd be curious about and interested in seeing those. So go ahead and link away to anything you think might have more than a placebo percentage of, of effectiveness out there because that's what I'm interested in. Also in April... Oh, man, we had a couple of pretty significant um, pass, people passing on in April of this year. Anthony, that was, this was the month Anthony Bourdain committed suicide. And that was huge. That was a very, very big nuclear explosion across the entertainment industry and across the cooking industry and the food industry and, and, and all across uh, certainly the United States. I, I certainly felt it here. You couldn't for days and days. That's all anybody was talking about. Um, very influential man, very good man, and uh, really did his best to not just try to go around the world cooking things, but actually educate the world about the world that we live in. And that was, uh, that was really well done on his part, and it's a shame. It's, it's, it's a real significant loss to the world, and Anthony Bourdain is, is now no longer in it. Also, my, Milos Forman, uh, he was an Academy Award-winning director uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Amadeus, um, big movies, uh, uh, lots of other movies that he did that I didn't list out on my little thing here, but notable for uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, ma amazing movie, by the way, was the second film, only the second film in all of history to win all five major Academy Awards, which is Best Picture, Actor in a Leading Role, Actress in a Leading Role, Director, and Screenplay. 
And that was not repeated again until 1991 with Silence of the Lambs. And also, um, I, you know, maybe many of you out there don't know who this is or um, know much about him, but a man named Harry Anderson also died in April. He was a magician and comedian, if you remember the old TV show Night Court. I grew up uh, admiring Harry Anderson on Saturday Night Live for some of the magic and tricks that he did. He always, he always, always made me laugh. I always liked watching him. He was just this goofy, obnoxious, uh, very, very funny uh, sort of con man, magician kind of guy. And, and anyway, I, um, I was bummed when he, when he died. Now we come up to May, and oh boy, May was... May was a big deal for me because May was the was the month this last year that I got married to the love of my life, Melissa Huff. She is now my wife, and a major major deal for me. And uh, and all of you guys, of course, gave us nothing but amazing well wishes. I of course asked her to marry me right here on my channel. <laughs> so uh, so that came to fruition, and and uh, and we've been doing great with that. Um, also in May, though, and this is the next little uh, entry in the LAPD, LADA office corruption case that I am making here on my podcast this week. Uh, Mike Rinder's daughter, Taryn Touche, uh, started engaging in a social media war uh, around this time against her father, Mike Rinder, accusing him of assault. And she was actually seen smiling side by side in a photo with L.A. District Attorney Jackie Lacey. And if anybody thinks that that is a coincidence, only two months, two, two and a half months after the special counsel had uh, said, hey, let's file charges on Danny Masterson, suddenly Taryn Tush is, is all up and friendly in Jackie Lacey's business and taking uh, photo ops with her, uh, that is not any kind of coincidence at all. It is exactly standard operating procedure for Scientology, and it falls under the safe pointing or the PR area control that I was talking about earlier. Taryn Touche is simply a tool of Scientology, and she is willingly being used that way to lie blatantly and repeatedly about her father because Scientology feels that Mike Rinder needs to be personally destroyed. And they've actually got his own daughter doing their dirty work for them. It's that disgusting. Ugh. So, um, you know, her standing side by side by the LADA, who has yet to, you know, do anything on this Danny Masterson case, clearly tells me that if, you know, if that's not evidence of some kind of shenanigans going on behind the scenes, I don't know what is. Also in May, Burt Reynolds died. A bit bummed about that. Um, all right, now we come forward to July. And July was a big, big deal uh, in, in the Scientology community because that was when Laura DiCrescenzo settled her eight-year lawsuit against Scientology regarding forced abortion of a minor, her, when she was in the Sea Org. As reported in detail on Tony Ortega's underground bunker, after delays and every legal maneuver they could figure out, which is part of their legal maneuvering is to delay, 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 finally in July... The Church of Scientology settled this case with Laura DiCrescenzo rather than allow it to go in front of a jury, which was it was literally about to start doing. They had gone through eight years of nonsense, finally got it, got a court date, it was going to happen, and the attorney for Laura DiCrescenzo actually um, 
sent David Miscavige himself a notice to appear in court. And when that happened, that check got cut. And it, well, we don't know what the settlement was, of course, but it was one of the biggest uh, victories against Scientology in a courtroom in quite some time because they were forced to do an out-of-court settlement. We consider that a victory uh, because it was nothing but a civil suit. It was not, there were not going to be any criminal charges leveled against David Miscavige as part of this case or against anyone in the Church of Scientology. It was merely for damages against Laura DiCrescenzo as, you know, because she was a minor Sea Org member and Scientologist who had been woefully and horribly wronged. Uh, by Scientology to the point where she had had to actually try to commit suicide by drinking bleach in, an, in a desperate, desperate effort to escape the bonds of her slavery. She was on the RPF. She was at the lowest of the low in Scientology. And she could not get away and could not get out and finally had to try to commit suicide in order to finally get away. And it took her years to get her head straight, as it does for all of us. Uh, she, you know, and she uh, then finally came, you know, started realizing how wronged she had been by Scientology and brought this case. And, uh, and it finally, you know, got to the place where it settled. And one of the biggest legal precedents that was set in this case that was really, really important, actually, was that as part of this, as part of the whole process, she got her preclear folders, her confidential confessional folders back from the church. This is unheard of. This has never been never been done before. And she got she had this went all the way on appeal all the way through to the U.S. Supreme Court, which awarded her uh, the rights to have those folders. And uh, and they were redacted when she got them, but at least she got them. So you know now it's not like I can just call up Scientology and say, hey, give me my folders now. Doesn't work that way. I wish it did. I would love to see what's in my PC folders. That would actually be extremely clarifying for a number of reasons. But, um, you know, if you have enough money to take on Scientology legally, then that door is now open to be able to get those PC folders released. Um, now, also in this month, David Miscavige was photographed receiving medals by a Colombian National Police General. And this ended up blowing up in Scientology's face and was actually investigated by the Colombian government because this was not part of an official ceremony or recognition from the government, but it was made to look like it was. And, of course, David Miscavige will do anything if you tell him you want to give him an award and make him look good on, you know, in national media. So Tony Ortega, as usual, reported on this in detail, including the fact that the whole noisy government investigation that started and was actually getting world headlines folded as quickly as it had started. And that was coincident with the Scientology cruise ship, the Freewinds, arriving in Cartagena for a PR convention. So did Scientology have something to do with that cover-up? Of course they did. Proving again that when push comes to shove, Scientology knows how to take care of things and quiet people down when it matters to them to do so. So then we come forward to August. And this is the final little point in my uh, case here against uh, L.A. District Attorney Jackie Lacey uh, and the Los Angeles Police Department because in August, <laughs> you know, this is so reminiscent of how David Miscavige and Scientology dealt with the Clearwater and Florida police when the Lisa McPherson trial uh, or not even trial, when the Lisa McPherson 
uh, debacle happened, and it was going to look, and it was looking like criminal charges were going to be uh, leveled against David Miscavige against the Church of Scientology. They spent millions and millions of dollars and and put the whole thing on lockdown, destroyed evidence, and uh, ruined the coroner of the uh, Clearwater area. Uh, ruined her personally, and she ended up, you know, like uh, quitting and changed her uh, cause of death. That's what they wanted. They wanted the cause of death changed on the on the death certificate for Lisa McPherson, from and at, from what appeared to be a homicide to an accidental death, and that got Scientology off uh, from any charges being filed against them. And all it cost was a whole lot of money and schmoozing on the part of David Miscavige and other Scientology executives and Sea Org executives. So that's how they handled Lisa McPherson. That's how they're handling the Danny Masterson situation. I mean, I'm just, there's so much going on behind the scenes that we're not seeing. But in August, what we did see was in the LAPD Hollywood police station, a Scientology audiovisual kiosk that played Scientology videos to everybody in the police station. I mean, what the hell were they thinking? I mean, we've got churches, we got separation of church and state issues there. We have collusion issues there. We have, I mean, what could they possibly have been imagining to think that it was okay to do something like that? But Scientology, that's what Scientology does. It corrupts people. It, it compromises their integrity, their decency, their honesty every single day of the year. That is what the Church of Scientology does. And they have been paying off the police in Hollywood for decades. Ever since they arrived there, they have been moving in on the Hollywood Police Division, and they have completely taken it over as far as any, any idea that, that, that Scientology is ever going to face any negative consequences from the police in Hollywood. It's just a pure, it's just a pure fantasy. So um, that was reported on, and again, that and the LAD district attorney, you know, with her smiling face uh, next to Taryn Touche and everything else that's been going on are indicators of things going on behind the scenes that we don't know about, that secret meetings and agreements being made between the Church of Scientology and between the LA Police Department and the DA's office. Um, that's just how they do business. This is how Scientology does things. And I wasn't the, the person who did this kind of work when I was in the church, so I can't speak in detail about how they go about doing this. I know of various ways they do it, you know, schmoozing, taking people out for things, giving them awards, giving them grants, you know, for academics, for example. Uh, anything and any everything that Scientology can do to, to change people's opinions about Scientology, to uh, bend their will toward, you know, a pro-Scientology stance on things. Anything at all that they have to say or do in order to make that happen, they will do. Because that's Scientology in, in, in action. That's, what, that's how they operate. So, um, so this is one of the reasons why when, you, when people ask, why aren't the police doing anything about this? Why isn't the FBI doing anything about this? Why doesn't somebody step in? Well, you know, if you want some real talk, this is why. It's because these people are corrupt. And money talks and bullshit walks. And, you know, evidence and facts and victims, they don't matter in the face of Benjamins. And uh, that's, that's how this works. And, uh, and so 
That is why we are not seeing justice for Danny Masterson's victims. And that's, in fact, why the church can even get away with stalking and harassing those victims. And again, the LADA's office does nothing. And the police do nothing. Which is why the only people who can really be counted on to do anything about Scientology are us. And I don't mean us critics. I mean you and me. All us. Us regular folk. Right? And the only way, the only, the most effective thing and the best thing and, uh, and you know, factually, the only thing that we can do is spread the word and make sure people know that uh, they should be staying as far away from Scientology as possible for any and every reason. There is no good reason to be giving Scientology any money, any time, any attention whatsoever except to say, stay the hell away from it. It's a viper's nest. All right, so moving on. Uh, oh God, August also saw the death of Stan Lee, uh, one of my heroes and uh, the creator of so many of my heroes. Um, he was Marvel uh, comic legend. He created Spider-Man and uh, oh my God, the Incredible Hulk, the Fantastic Four. I mean, all, all of the Marvel legends um, that we uh, know about, you know, big time, like the, the, the big names, uh, you know, Stan Lee had something to do with. Stan Lee is a figure that I will probably miss for the rest of my life in one way or another. Um, and it's going to be a bummer to see future Marvel movies without him in them. Uh, he was always the star as far as I was concerned. Uh, okay, now coming into November, uh, Scientology in the Aftermath debuted this last month. Season 3 came out, and it was a powerful two-hour episode, and it wasn't about Scientology. It was about the Jehovah's Witnesses. And I just have to remark, I did not say anything about this before uh, when I did a sort of video review and talk about this episode, but isn't it interesting how one of the first groups I reached out to and started talking about on my channel after Scientology was the Jehovah's Witnesses when I um, collaborated with Lloyd Evans. Uh, who is an activist, uh, an anti-JW activist in the same way I am an anti-Scientology activist uh, on YouTube. And, you know, Leah is, it started branching out and looking at other things than just Scientology. And I just thought it was an interesting parallel, as are so many of the things that Leah has been through and that I have been through myself. All right. Um, this November also was uh, when John McCain died, George Bush died, it's George Bush Sr. And uh, somebody I wanted to man make mention of uh, who mattered uh, quite a bit in my life was a man named William Goldman. And he was an author and screenwriter. And he wrote The Princess Bride, probably one of the most influential movies of my childhood and uh, adulthood for that matter. He also wrote uh, The Marathon Man, uh, which was a movie that had starred uh, Dustin Hoffman and Sir Lawrence Olivier. And he also wrote screenplays for Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, All the President's Men, The Stepford Wives, A Bridge Too Far, and even Misery, which uh, was a Stephen King novel that was adapted for the screen by William Goldman, uh, a novel that most people thought was absolutely no way that could possibly be translated to the screen because most of it happens in this guy, the victim's head. Um, but they did a great job with it. And, uh, and of course, um, you know, he was, he had something to do with that. So William Goldman's definitely somebody who will be missed. And so we have now come up to December and, uh, not a whole lot, 
you know, uh, of importance going on this month. <laughs> Uh, you know, we only have a president who's, uh, you know, tweeting out his madness uh, every day and is probably going to be impeached in this next year. We'll see what happens. Um, I mean, you know, predictions are whatever. I try to not make too many of them. But, um, you know, I'm predicting in terms of Scientology, let's again engage in a little bit more real talk. All right. Not a whole lot happened with Scientology this last year. I mean, we talked about, you know, the way that Scientology has been controlling the narrative in Columbia and Los Angeles with this uh, celebrity case with Danny Masterson. You know, Scientology in the Aftermath is a very, very effective show, and it educates exactly what Scientology does. And yet, they are still given a free pass to operate in the United States of America because of our First Amendment and are the weaknesses of our First Amendment. And our First Amendment is very, very weak when it comes to human rights, uh, which is why you see me talk about these things on my channel. You know, people think that I talk about these random things like human rights and Second Amendment and free speech and these kind of things just because, I don't know, it has nothing to do with anything. But all the things that I talk about on my channel are somehow related to Scientology. That's how I get involved in looking into them in the first place. And it, I have to say that um, in wrapping this up, it really bothers me as a content creator and person who spends hours and hours putting together research and writing and working on these videos when I see people say to me that I need to stay in my lane, that I need to only talk about Scientology and nothing else because I'm not an expert on anything else and so why do I bother opening my mouth? And I, you know, have a fairly negative reaction to that for a number of reasons. The number one reason being that all the things I'm talking about at this point, Scientology related or otherwise, are all part of a greater whole message, which is how to get along better in life, how to live a, a, a happier, more productive, more wholesome, more useful life. All of us, you know, all of us could be doing better. All of us, you know, want to be doing better in one way or another. And the things I talk about are, are my effort to try to help, you know, the world at large. You know, educating about Scientology is one way of helping, but, you know, educating about human rights, to me, is a far, far more important task. And, you know, Scientology is only a bridge to that. You know, it's the human rights violations that occur on a daily basis in the United States and around the world are, are horrifying to me and of far more importance and, and effect than, than just the little group of Scientology. You know, these destructive cults out there, they're, they're a big problem. But we also have cult-like thinking in politics and in social activities. And, and when I see those kinds of things, and I'm kind of tuned to see them better than other people, which is why it always amazes me when somebody tells me, that I'm not expert enough in politics or religion or sociology or psychology to talk about these things. It, it truly blows me away. I have tons to learn. I have very, very, very much more research and, and learning to do. But, you know, I think you get the point that, um, that I have, you know, that the content that I put out here on this channel for you guys is all of a whole. And I wanted to make that point. The other thing I wanted to say in terms of what we're coming into in 2019 is you're going to see 
more of that kind of content from me through my podcast. You will see me continuing to answer your questions on my Critical Q&A show every single week. I love doing that, and I really don't care what the question is about. I try to select out the ones that I find are the most interesting, regardless of the, of the subject matter. And I wanted to say that, um, you know, 2019 for me is is reorienting myself and reestablishing for the, for me that my channel is really about my journey out of Scientology, acclimating into the big wide world, and learning about all the things that the world has to offer and all the, the pitfalls that, you know, I think we might want to avoid out there. And my, you know, advice or views on, on how to go about that. I'm one voice in, you know, in millions, uh, you know, a cacophony of voices out there on YouTube. And I really am so thankful for those of you out there who have been so supportive and helpful to me and, and helped me actually directly in my recovery, as I've talked about in earlier videos recently. So you're going to see more of that kind of content on my channel uh, as I am not... You know, I've, I've said before, and maybe this is a wrong way of wording it, that as I move away from Scientology, I'm moving into broader or more expansive topics. But I really wanted to clarify that I don't feel like I'm moving away from Scientology. I feel like I'm expanding on the subject matter of Scientology by trying to broaden it out to other topics that are far more relevant to everyone in the world. And uh, that's the effort here. And I just wanted to kind of end this by reorienting to something I wrote over a year ago on my Patreon page that is, um, I think, something I personally sort of lost sight of a little bit this last year, and I want to reorient to, and that is this. I started out on YouTube talking about Scientology as part of my own exit and recovery from that destructive cult. Since then, I've been learning and promoting critical thinking, science, and reason. Hot topics which I believe can make things better for all of us. My channel is not just about debunking Scientology now, but is about education and being real about some of the crazy things that go on in all parts of our lives. Politics, religion, social issues, science, and all the rest. I think a healthy dose of skepticism and tolerance are the keys to a better life for everyone, and I want to forward that message in all kinds of entertaining and interesting ways. My goals for every video I make are to make you laugh and to get you to learn something. If I can accomplish that with the majority of people I meet for the rest of my life, I think I'll have done something that mattered. So that is where we're going in 2019 as I, go, as I move forward. And I am knee deep, neck deep right now in research on my next video on the tone scale. I've been collecting up a lot of materials uh, about Scientology that I haven't had that I need in order to put this together. You'll see this basics series roll out. You will see um, uh, some other content. And you will also see, by the way, uh, more merch, uh, more merchandise. The, the, the shirts that I wear, I've become rather famous for. I, I've put that out there on purpose uh, with all these goofy t-shirts and things that I wear. And I've even made a, uh, a place on Spreadshirt where you can buy these. And for the rest of this, this new year, every shirt you see me wearing on my podcast or on my, sh on my channel that is not just a plain or collared shirt 
If you see me wearing a shirt like this, it's one you will be able to order through my Spreadshirt link, which is below in the comments section, and the notes section of this video, and is linked uh, up in the corner with the little circle with the eye, you will find a Spreadshirt link to see the designs I have produced, and you'll be seeing those throughout the year. So uh, that it might be another way that you can throw some support my way and get something back in return. That was the original idea with that. And to spread uh, the words of, uh, you know, good critical thinking and science and reason out there. So, folks, thanks very much for coming around and listening to this end-of-the-year wrap-up and ideas about where we're going in this new year on my channel. Again, I really, really, really appreciate your viewership and your comments and feedback, good, bad, or sideways. You know, at least you're listening and you have something to tell me about it. And I, I want to thank you guys again for coming around and being part of this. All right, that all being said, I'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye.